This is Dating After Death, a podcast sorting out all the complicated emotions that come along with looking for love again after losing our forever person. And I am your currently anonymous host. Today I'm sitting down with Janice Bell, who I, and I think a lot of you, found on Instagram at Another Strong Widow. She is fierce and honest and unapologetic in the way she approaches her grief journey. And I have loved watching and laughing along with all of the things she puts out into the world. Janice and I had some really interesting conversations before we sat down to have this talk. And after some of those conversations, I just felt like I had to include her in the podcast because I had so many questions about some of the things she had told me. One of them, when I asked her about it, she responded like this. It was like, I think my life fell apart so quickly that I was trying to put the pieces back together in any way that I knew how. And nothing made sense. It didn't, it was almost like I need a feeling, I need to feel prepared. Like, how can I stop this world from crumbling? And oh my goodness, is that easy to relate to? Just that feeling of grasping for answers or some semblance of understanding or organization of what your future might look like. Janice and I talk about a lot of different things and I had such a good conversation with her and I'm really glad that you all get to listen in. So I hope you enjoy. I'm so excited to finally be talking to you. Where are the kids? Um, two of them are at school and one of them's watching Paw Patrol. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, here's a cookie. Here's a granola bar. Here's like all the food you can want. Don't <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So I really wanted to have you on as one of the first guests because I just feel like people are in love with you, understandably. Ah. <laughs> Because you are just like so real and honest and raw and beautiful oh, in so many ways. That is so sweet to hear. Like you don't really know how people perceive you and you always feel insecure and vulnerable when you put yourself out there. And it's really not like me to have a presence on social media at all or the old me, I guess. This may be the new me is... And that's really nice to hear because I want to be authentic. I don't want, that's what people don't like about social media is that it's fake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what people are responding to. And yeah, I think it's all just incredible. And then when I text you or when we were messaging back and forth, you told me this story that I was just like, okay, we have to talk about this. So, but like, before we get to all that, I'm wondering if you could just start by kind of telling us first about Chris and then however much you're comfortable telling us sort of about the end. Yeah, so I met Chris when I started university at 18, I guess it was. Yeah, so way back 2003, um, I was in Bachelor of Science taking geology, and he was the teaching assistant for the lab of my first year geology course. Scandalous. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
we didn't start dating um, right away. I he was older than me, you know, and he ended up graduating that year, you know, at the end of my first year. Um, but two years later, we reconnected and um, the rest is history. So I was with yeah. Chris since I was about 20 years old. Mm. Uh, and we were both geologists and we kind of had an amazing partnership both in life and in work and we did a lot together uh traveled a lot around um we lived in the states for a number of years uh and then we moved home to nova scotia canada on the east coast to when we were ready to start a family it was we were ready to come home um, but it was a pretty big adjustment and now really i couldn't be more happy that I am here. I I do love my home and things are different. You know, like it's not all about career anymore and mm. work and So do you have a lot of family around you? Um well, my in-laws live here and my parents live here and I have a sister and a sister-in-law close. Yeah. Most of my family is here and a big support. We had three babies in I don't know, three and a half, four years, pretty quickly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and while I was pregnant with my third child, towards the end of my pregnancy, Chris was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, mm. And it was uh, an aggressive uh, and advanced cancer in the bile ducts of his liver called cholangiocarcinoma. And uh, he died six months after he was diagnosed, when my youngest was five months. Um, my middle had just turned two and my youngest or my oldest was three, um, three and a half. It's been an adjustment and it was really challenging. Of course. The fact that you had a brand new baby, I mean, that's so challenging as new parents to begin with. And then, yeah, I'm. <laughs> For me, maybe, I don't know, I haven't really had time to grieve and I'm not sure mm -hmm. if there's going to be more to come or not, or if this is just what it is, but the period of his diagnosis and his treatment with a newborn baby and like two toddlers was far more traumatic than his actual death. It was, mm. it was really, really awful um, to get through those moments. And I mean, you know, like I was in the hospital with Chris on a Friday. Um, I had my baby on Saturday. I went home from the hospital on Sunday and I was back in the hospital with Chris on Monday. It was just oh my gosh. with a baby in my arms. You know, I, yeah. ex I exclusively breastfed and it was, I carried a baby everywhere with me. Um, and she, she was amazing, but it was still just like surreal sitting oh, there, yeah. you know, like, I don't even know. I think she was like five days old. I don't remember. I, her birthday is coming up actually. And I didn't even know I'd have to check with my mom for two years, like when her birthday was, because I didn't even know, like, yeah. it was just She's calling me now. a blur. That's okay. I you can step walk, away if you need to. I have to walk and wipe a bum. <laughs> no, go. <laughs> this is actually the second podcast in a row. I had a parent walk away to wipe a bum. Okay. But I have to go back to the computer, okay? You can have two candies. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is podcast gold. <laughs> 
awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, like we would go places. Like I'd go to chemo with my husband and I was just like, couldn't even understand that what was happening was real and he'd be yeah. fine ish, obviously. And I'd be just sitting there with a newborn in my eyes, or arms, like tears streaming down my face. And like the nurses were just like, we're not worried about him. We're worried about you. And I was just like, yeah. this is unprocessable for mm-hmm. my head. And so when you were going through treatments with him, did the two of you, do you feel like the two of you had a sense of like, this is coming to an end and we need to squeeze in quality time or were you hopeful through both um both absolutely hopeful like i knew the reality but i still had hope because you have to like how do you carry on i think that if his period of time that he was sick was longer there may have been time to adjust to the idea but it was just like he you know, he, he got diagnosed and then he died. Like, the, and there was a baby and there, like, there was so much going on. There wasn't yeah. time to process all of that. And of course you think you're going to have more time. <laughs> you always think more time. Yeah. Like the, his prognosis was not something we ever really spoke about, but it was like a year, not six months. So yeah. that also. Oh, it was like, even faster. Yeah. It took us by surprise a bit. Um, we were away on vacation actually, when I had to take him to a hospital like Oda province. Um, and that's where he ended up dying, you know, with my kids. So yes, I had always had hope because I had to, and I was desperate. I was doing everything I could because I believed that I could save him. You know, like I, I, I think I really did like believe if we had enough time that I could have helped him. That's probably the unrealistic part. But but at the same time, one of the worst parts about living through his diagnosed period was the pressure to cram in happy memories with Mm. this young family. You know, we just became a family of five. It was coming into summertime. Um, We had to go and do all of these things. And he would often plan the outings or the ideas. And Mm -hmm. then the work would fall on to me. And that was very, very difficult. Um, This pressure of feeling overwhelmed. You can't not do it. And you need to make these happy memories. And you need to do everything for him to make him happy and have an enjoyable last summer. But at the same time, those outings or trips or vacations that we had have only left me with horrible memories because like there was no happiness to it. Like we should have just stayed home. Like taking care Mm. of him was more work than taking care of my three children put together. It's a hard place because it's like, well, would you really Mm -hmm. not have taken that trip? But it's like, no, we shouldn't have, you know, like we should have just sat at home and tried to enjoy that time as a family instead of like doing even little loadings, going to get ice cream, you know, like Mm -hmm. everything like it was he didn't have the energy and he couldn't admit that he didn't have it. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because 
as someone who hasn't experienced that. And, and I feel like media really puts this thing oh. on end of life where it's like, do everything you can. Yeah. And squeeze it all in and fill your bucket list, yeah. you know, check off every item. Yeah. So that's a really interesting reality. It, and I don't know, maybe, and I felt angry about that in the moment too, mm. because in some certain aspects, I wished I didn't have my kids so that I could do those things with Chris and that we could have that time to enjoy and, you know, kids are work. So there's not, when you're done at the end of the day of all the work, um, there's not much time to enjoy. Yeah. So it's kind of like even just to like lay on the couch and watch a movie together or that type of thing. Like those things didn't get to happen mm. because we had kids, Yeah. you know? So. Yeah. So you went through all that and then also after his death, <laughs> went through your own cancer yes. diagnosis. Yes. Um, so basically like exactly two years after Chris was in the emergency room of the hospital trying to get you know, diagnosed. I was in the same emergency hospital room <sighs> trying to convince people that I believed I had cancer. Took another three or four months to finally get my diagnosis. But um, 18 months after Chris died, I was diagnosed with advanced cervical cancer tumor that was larger than the oncologist had ever really seen. Um, and it was uh, shocking that I had been told that my cervix looked fine um, when I ended up having a nine by seven centimeter tumor on my cervix that I could feel. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. But miraculously, it had not spread. So Thank God. it's it, it really was a shock to everybody that I was had a tumor that large and was in the position that I was in. Um, all last year I did chemo, um, radiation, and then internal radiation. Um, and the tumor shrunk faster than they had expected and had a great response. Um, and now at this point I've had two follow-up scans um, that both show residual tumor. So we're just kind of in a wait and see approach. Maybe yeah. it will go away. Um, maybe I'll end up having surgery. Maybe it will be more chemo. Don't really know, but I'm yeah. feeling great. I feel um, treatment was worse than I had anticipated. Um, and I had to revisit many of the places I had planned to never go again um, and see, you know, these people just months after I had already been there and walk into these same rooms. Um, so that was hard. Um, and yeah. the physically treatment drained me. Um, but I feel normal, whatever that is <laughs> at this point. And so you must have a pretty big support network or maybe a full-time nanny to help with the kids. <laughs> I wish I will take applications. Um, <laughs> At a reasonable rate. Yeah, no, free, please. <laughs> um, Unpaid internship. Yes. At Janice's house. Yes, it would be great experience. <laughs> um, my mom is involved uh, with my kids a lot and helps me out, but... 
I, I, I think the real rock star is my sister, actually. She mm. is um, five years younger than me. And um, she took a leave of absence from work when I got my diagnosis and basically moved in. Um, and her and my mom switched off a fair amount, um, helping out with me and the kids because um, a lot of it had fallen to my mom when Chris was sick. And, you know, we kind of learned the first time around that one person can't do all of this. So the second time around was uh, much, much easier on my support, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. And everybody had kind of learned yeah, to take turns and say when you're getting tired and take a break. Yeah. Um, you know, listening to you, I just feel like I, and I'm sure people tell you this all the time, like, I just feel like I would like to bust into tears with you and hold you tightly and come watch your kids for a few hours. Don't make me cry. I don't cry very often. Uh, Don't make me cry. Um, And also I'm thinking about how like we set this podcast is to talk about dating. And I'm just like, that feels like such an inappropriate topic to talk to you about. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I don't date. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay we're gonna make this like one of many episodes that we'll check in with you and like, yes <laughs> it, it could be entertaining <laughs> check in on janice oh my goodness all right i mean I, I really have like a million questions about your life in general and everything yeah, but yeah. in the interest of keeping this on topic um so you know, you told me in in message something that I think I felt like was maybe the most honest thing anybody has ever said to me in their life. I don't know what I said. I don't remember. Oh, oh, I'll reveal in a second. <laughs> I think there are things about humans that we choose to never share with anybody because it feels too much just like, oh, whoa. So now you're going to reveal it to the world. <laughs> I'm scared. (laughs) We can edit it out if you want to. (laughs) Okay. You told me um, that before your husband even died, you had put dating apps on your phone. Okay. And to me that I just felt like it was so honest because this is like such a taboo topic to begin with. And you're like, Hey, listen, I've been thinking about this for a long time, including before he even died. So please tell me more. I think about it and I don't really... So I feel like it's, there must be other people out there that feel the same way as me. Like, to me, it's not that taboo. Like, I don't, I don't think so either, but some, it seems to be the, the, I don't know, the party line is that we're not supposed to talk about this. I think obviously everybody has their own kind of way of coping and dealing and moving on from losing your partner to potentially finding a new partner. And I mean, that's, that's different for everybody. But one thing that we probably mostly have in common is dating apps. Um, And I never really have like, even Mm -hmm. now, I don't have that guilty feeling of being on a dating app. Like I know a lot of people are just like, Mm. feel like they're cheating by doing that. Or I don't have that feeling to me. It's not really cheating i mean i haven't really engaged into a romantic relationship with anybody from a dating app and when i got to that stage maybe my feelings 
would feel like that. Maybe I'd be like freaked out, like I can't do this, but I don't get that feeling by downloading a dating Mm. app, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, do I think downloading a dating app while your husband's still alive? Yeah, maybe that's a little taboo. Maybe that's cheating. I don't know. But like, (laughs) I told my husband I did it too. Like he knew. And what did he say? I don't like I don't think he cared. Like it wasn't like I was looking for a relationship right then. I would a never date. have gone on a date. Like even now the a lot of people if they message me, I don't message them back. Like it takes a lot for me to actually be interested or intrigued and want to engage in a conversation with somebody. But yeah. It was like I think my life fell apart so quickly that I was trying to put the pieces back together in any way that I knew how. And Mm. nothing made sense. It Mm -hmm. didn't... It was almost like I need a feeling... I need to feel prepared. Like, how can I stop this world Mm. from crumbling? And not that I wanted to replace Chris. It was just... I need a plan. And it's like, what? I hadn't been on a dating app, like, ever. And, like, Chris and I had been together since, you know, I was, like, a teenager. Like, my whole adult life... Me too. Yeah, was him. And it's like, what type of people are on there? Is this even something that's going to be possible for me? Would anybody even be interested in me? You know, it's like the person that I am now versus the person I was when I had last dated is so different. It just, and I don't remember, but I bet you my, like the very first profile that I ever put on there basically was like, I'm the most messed up person you've ever known. I have three kids and a dead husband. Are you still interested? You know, like something along those lines. And then if somebody still messages you after all that, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I might be okay. Like kind of thing. I don't know. It was, we could have a conversation. And and I know (laughs) I've been on and off the dating apps like a hundred times. Like, it's not like I stayed on a dating app while my husband was sick. It was like a a. 4am, you know, in the morning, you're still awake with this newborn baby and your head is spinning in thoughts and you're trying to fix your life and i downloaded a dating app like Mm. just with the reassurance that like maybe somebody would still want me kind of thing i guess um yeah and actually janice i find this like very comforting because i um i find found out my husband died at like three in the morning it was very sudden and um I sat on the couch and waited for my kids to wake up at like 7.30 or 8. And in those hours of just sitting and waiting, you know, it's like you like you're talking about you're sitting in the middle of the night, you're thinking through a million things. And I just remember like one of the first probably 10 thoughts that I had was, oh, my God, I hope I fall in love again someday. Like, Like, I I love being married. I love being in a partnership. You know, like people who haven't been through it don't understand this like they look at it and just judge it but your head nothing makes sense 
and your brain Mm -mm. is just trying to make connections between the craziest thoughts that are in your brain and you think the wildest, craziest things trying to reorder something. Yeah. It's not really... I don't think it's like within your control. You just do what you do and that's okay you can't feel guilty about the way that you reacted yeah i mean for for me anyway guilt is just like part of the story i try i'm trying actively to fight against that but but i also think like this my brain nothing makes sense truth is what also makes being in a relationship with somebody so complicated because i'm like shit is that the grief or is that him is it and it's like every day is different i'm like who knows um okay so you taught you told your husband you downloaded the dating app okay did you did well that's no. a joke right no for real. i don't remember <laughs> that much and it wasn't like a big conversation it wasn't like a big portion of what we went through and i wasn't on the dating app mm. for very long and i don't think i ever engaged in conversation with anybody but there was one guy who met my height requirement. <laughs> I feel so bad for the short guys of the I world. I do because I, mean, I, I instantly do. like swipe left on, on I height. Know, like I don't me too. look at anything else. And I'm just like, I'm so shallow. I really am going to try not to. I did meet a guy that was 5'11". I'm 5'10". I met a guy that was 5'11 for coffee. And I was like, I can't do it. Can't. I tried. I tried. I can't do mm. it. I I don't care about anything else, and I really try to not care about that, but I do. But back to my husband. So I broached it with him because I wanted his approval, is what it was. Yeah, I was going to ask but if I you mean, had that conversation. We never had the, it's okay for you to move on conversation. It's It wasn't that I wanted his approval to get into another relationship. I wanted his approval of the specific guy, I think. It's like, oh, and I what? still really? feel that now. Like, Chris would like this guy. It's like, I think stuff like that, you know? So, yeah. I don't know. I think that too. I think it's actually one of my hangups with my boyfriend. I'm like, they wouldn't be friends. I really? Don't know about this. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did he approve of the person? Um, I think he dismissed me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a logical response. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the end of that. And I probably deleted the dating app after that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we, can I talk to you more about this date for a second? The coffee date? Yeah. Okay. Um. So obviously not a great memory of that, but like, what was it oh, like? While great, you... no, like great guy, really nice oh. guy. We still chat. We have, a lot in common he's a lot like my husband like he's very smart my husband was very smart and we chat about i guess current events you know Mm -hmm. like that was something that i always talked about with my husband a lot so i miss that in my life but i mean it would i wasn't like super interested in him before did you know him from before or was he a dating app guy on a dating app yeah Mm. and i was so he sent me a message that was like respectable and really long and i had stuff in common like we both worked in the oil field and um we we just had a lot to talk about right off chatted a lot um 
and we still chat, but it's never gone anywhere beyond just like current events and news and, oh, did you see that this happened and that type of thing. Um, it like, I don't know, satiates both of our need for some stimulating conversation, but I yeah. could never like after we had been chatting, I, I was never interested in him and really more than a friend, but I really liked him mm -hmm. um, as a person. And still like for like a year of chatting, I don't think we ever talked about anything emotional whatsoever. Yeah. And then when I got diagnosed with cancer, he stopped messaging me. And it was just really? like too much. Like he had never once asked me about my husband, never had one, like Ooh. nothing. Like there was, he could not talk about hard things, like no That's emotional hard. intelligence. And I need somebody. <laughs> You're like, I'm the queen of talking about hard things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, I would like to be in a relationship with somebody that can talk about that type of thing. Uh, of course. And Cause a it's a huge part of your life. Can't. Um, I, I guess you kind of expect people to not be able to talk about those hard things. Um, but yeah. even, once you Unless get to like through. a pretty good friendship level with somebody and they still can't, or I would bring something up and he would just like change the subject, like wouldn't even engage in that conversation. It's like, mm. no, I mean, and we, so he like stopped talking to me after my cancer diagnosis. And I recently was like messaged him since. And yeah, we still chat here and there. Like where'd but you it's, go? Or yeah, it's, it's still the same conversation though. You know, like, yeah, you said it satiates something in you. Is it like a companionship piece? Is it enough mm -hmm. to feel like it's filling part of that? Or is it more sporadic than that? Um, it's more sporadic at this point. Maybe when we first started chatting, it was like really fun and engaging conversation. And now I'm just like, like it only goes so deep. And once you've known somebody, I mean, I guess that's probably going on like two and a half years now, two years, whatever the pandemic is, two years, I guess. Yeah. It's like you need more substance to a person, I think. Like, of course. Yeah. So like the guy in the um, poodle suit who sent you <laughs> the picture of himself, <laughs> maybe some potential there. <laughs> I'm that's why I delete dating apps, because <laughs> I have to like work myself up to be like, OK, you have the patience, like you're in a good spot, like head space wise. If you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to date if that's what you want to do but it's like it's like 90 percent of the messages i get are freaking weirdos and assholes <laughs> i don't respond well to an initial message from somebody about my looks like uh, yeah start a meaningful conversation with me um so i instantly like i don't respond to those people well first off i have to look at their profile and like there are certain triggers like for a while, if they had the zodiac sign cancer, I wouldn't respond to them. I'm over <laughs> that now. I'm like, I so can... that's a, that's a hard pass for you. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going anywhere near cancer. Like, oh my gosh, wait, what are what are your other hard passes since we're talking about this? Height, height is the oh, first height, one. Yes, bathroom selfie. Yeah, yeah, shirtless selfie. That's. Like, I don't want, I'm not interested in that. I mean, everybody makes fun of the guys with fish in their hands, but like, that's like everybody where I live. So that's yeah. not a hard pass for me. 
<laughs> or lo- it's lobster fishermen here too like guys oh. on boats with giant lobsters in their hands um <laughs> this I don't is really, really like interesting because i feel like they have a dangerous job and like mm. at that you're gonna die is like so that's really interesting so like when you look at people's life and their career are you thinking about like what's the likelihood that you might also die a little bit but not huge um not huge but if they had told me that they had had like cancer or something like that no way no i would not go near that like i wouldn't go near anybody who i felt like i had to take care of um that was a big thing like I don't know. You need to be completely self-sufficient on your own and do a really good job of taking care of yourself and then even take care of me. Like there is no caregiver here. Uh, But that has changed since I got my cancer diagnosis. Mm. Um, And I don't have such a fatalistic view of cancer um, where I used to think that absolutely everybody who got cancer died, no matter what, even if you get through it now, it's going to come back and you're going to die. Now I would date somebody who had cancer. Okay. And I'm also not as scared of death anymore. Like I've kind of accepted it in a way that's like, yeah, you know what? I'm probably going to become widowed again, or maybe not. Mm. But like, at first I would have like, if I could requested like a full chart of their medical history to make sure that they were like, (laughs) it was like such a fear of having to go through cancer again with somebody. Now I'm like, been there, done that. I know how to do this is kind of. I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally know. get that. And and also, like, even if they're in perfect health, they could get in a car crash tomorrow, right? Exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah, I I, I am that way, too. Like, I know so many people um, through the page talk about their biggest fear being being widowed again. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather, like, enjoy the love in the meantime, even if it happens I'm again. Like, I've done this. Um, yeah, I'm getting to that. Like, at first... I was so I was just really scared of cancer again, not even so much the death, but the, the caretaking. way my husband was, I don't know. I've never taken care of somebody else with cancer, but mm. from what I hear, his cancer was particularly nasty, you know, mm. and it was, I just don't want to go anywhere near that again, but I'm more okay with it now. Are you sharing with anybody you communicate with about your cancer diagnosis? Mostly no. Okay. I, I, to me, I'm like, I, I feel undesirable in Mm. the situation that I'm in as a widow with three young children who would want that. Then I have so many self-confidence issues about my body and but not i love my body more than i ever had before because i appreciate it but at the same Mm -hmm. time i'm like i just had three babies bang 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 and it's like this body has changed a lot and it was like supposed to be for my husband kind of thing you know like yeah i have a lot of issue with that and then i got cancer and I've had physical changes from that too. And then it's just like, wow, like I really, and then also the hang up of like, well, you have cancer, you might die. Cause I know how I feel about people with 
or did feel about people with cancer or had cancer that no, I don't share that part of my story if I was talking to somebody on a dating app. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but like I also met my husband very young in life. I think I was 21. And so I had never actually started a text conversation with somebody I'd never met in real life before before the dating app thing. Yeah. So I was like, this is the weirdest thing. We're trying to like develop I relationship it. and depth through text. And oh. I can't even read your tone. It is very bizarre. I started getting to the point where I was just like, let's just meet. I don't want to like do this days and days. I'm not like that. Texting. I'm so the opposite. Like maybe because I don't really put much effort in. I'm not really trying to have a relationship. Yeah. If I'm going to take some of my time, if I'm going to get somebody to watch my kids and have time to myself and actually spend it on somebody else, I want to know that you're somebody that I want to spend that time with. Yeah, like, that's fair. I just have a huge lack of patience for people in general. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to like chat with somebody for a while and know that I like them Yeah. before I spend the time to go and meet them. But I don't think a lot of people are like that. I think like you, people all the time are like you see in the dating profiles, like I want to meet today, not text forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I want to text forever because I don't really want to meet you. <laughs> um, <laughs> meet some of my emotional needs and if you can do all of that and I still like you, then I will agree to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about like potentially someday getting back on the dating apps, the, the thing that I think worries me the most is like this idea that once you know grief life and then also connecting with all these people on Instagram and it's like there is a contingency of really amazing, deep thoughtful people in the world and like where are yes. they and why aren't they yes. on the dating apps yes that's so true yeah you know it's like because the people on the dating apps really suck well yeah i mean yeah especially at this age that's i think maybe you would say this at any age but right now so i'm 36 anybody in my like dating age pool is doesn't have kids and still in a very different lifestyle than I'm in. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the people that I would actually be interested in are like more like in their fifties, mm -hmm. but I don't want to date. Like I'm not interested really in dating somebody in their fifties, but it's like, those are the people who, you know, had a failed marriage and they're on the dating apps yeah. and that type of thing. Yeah. There's not many people this age. I went on a, a couple dates with guys that were single, no kids, and never had kids. I don't know if I could do it. That's what I found. I'm open-minded about it. I am. Like, I haven't done it, but and I'm open-minded. Like, I would try, but if I had to choose straight off, I'm not interested in somebody who doesn't have kids. Well, that's that's what I thought. I was like, okay, I, I could do that. I'm open to lots of people, whatever. But then it's like, after going on a few of those, I just realized you just could never understand me and my life. I mean, on so many levels, but even just like the yeah. parenting thing, mm -hmm. it's, I, well, I did chat with a guy, um, for quite a while, um, who didn't have kids who was, I don't know, two years older than me, maybe three 
he's probably 40. And it was not through a dating app. It was a friend set us up. Mm. And he did not, he lived in Ontario, so not near me. Mm -hmm. But my friend was like, he is single and not tied down to anything. And we had just gone into the pandemic. So it was like, here, have this person to chat with. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'll chat with him. And I ended up chatting a fair bit. We got along well, but he was ready to pick up and move here at like, pretty fast and it was because he had always wanted to have kids Mm. had never met the person that like his life was not where he wanted it to be and he was upset about that and looked at me and I was the total package and he was just gonna come right and move in and be dad and it was like he ended up being really quite messed up Mm. and I was like slow down stop messaging with him because I had no like once I got to know him a little bit better it was I was just fulfilling a gap Mm -hmm. in his life like he would say like our house and (gasps) our kids Uh -uh. and our this and I'm like oh like I have like a visceral reaction to that it was really weird but the reason I'm telling that story is just because there's guys like that who just want to come in like I don't know look at your life and be like I I can remember him saying I'm happy you're widowed and don't have like an ex or something like that you know because then he gets to be the dad like it was just it was weird what he looked at my my life was gonna fill the void in his life yeah yeah um or then there's like older guys and I think it's because they like messed up with their own kids Mm. and they like want to do over Mm. like kind of to try again it is a such a tricky field (laughs) then there's the people that are your own age and once you they're like how old your kid and I'll be like "Uh, actually I have three and they are this age this age and this age and the conversation ends (laughs) (laughs) like I used to feel really self-conscious like I would hate those questions I would Mm. hate talking about that type of thing but I've gotten to a point now where I'm becoming more confident in who I am and don't like want to hide the fact that I have kids or that I have three kids Mm -hmm. or it's just like peace out like you don't like me go away like I don't like you either take it or leave it this is who I am and yeah all right can we do some quick questions what are they gonna be well you can pass if you want (laughs) okay okay um okay uh so did you put your widow status on your profile it depends on which app it is. Mm, why? Like, because uh, there's like drop down menu and it's like, do you pick single? Do you pick married? Do you pick widowed? Some of them have that. Some of them don't have it. So if it's if, not an option. It if it doesn't have like a marital status option, I do not write it in the type spot and say I'm widowed. Okay. No. Do you see yourself getting married again someday? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yes, I could get married again, but I also... I don't know. Yes. Okay. Um, do you see yourself ever having more kids with a new partner? 
I am not able to have children anymore um, after my cancer treatment. Um, But previous to that, yes, I would have enjoyed having more children with a new partner if time permitted. Yeah. Um, Do you ever think about gender experimentation for yourself? Um, Loosely, because if I could just have like a second one of me, it would be like awesome. Or because when my sister is here, we like mesh and groove and like she helps me out with my kids better than Chris ever did. Uh, and <laughs> that's probably complicated. I'm like, and like she just knows like, okay, we're getting out the door. These are the things we need to do. I used to have to like tell Chris, do this, do this, do this, yeah. you know, like, and she like will have it done before I'm like even dressed like and so then I'm like is it because she's a woman Mm. and I'm like how amazing would it be to have a partner like this yeah and and I suspect that they're more emotional um emotionally in tune I don't know yeah I mean loosely yes I think about how great it would be um but I don't I don't really no. Yeah. I'm, I My, do not think I'm going to switch sides. Okay. But <laughs> I think about it. My cousin is just about my age and she comes for like weeks at a time sometimes. And it is incredible. And we always talk about like, maybe we should just move somewhere together and we'll just date people on the side and we'll just sort of be married to each other and it'll be fabulous. Well, when my sister and I go places, they believe like people all the time think that we are a couple together lesbians a couple and that the kids are hers because they've got blonde hair like her um and we went camping last summer it was actually really hard Mm. like this family next to us had young kids and then our kids like my kids and their kids were playing together all the time and they were like telling the kids that like they they had two mummies and stuff and Mm. i was just like it made me miss Chris in a way that I hadn't experienced yet. Mm. Like, and I just, I never did really put it into words, but it was like, no, like he's not replaced yeah. kind of thing almost. I don't know. Okay. Um, could you see dating somebody with Chris's name? Yes. Now I think because it's a common name. Um, but that used to be one of my like immediate eliminate things me too you know when you're going through dating apps but now i think i could do it and what about someone who looks like him probably yeah i think i'm just pretty open-minded to it all like i don't think looks are very important to me it's more about a connection um yeah and your height (laughs) (laughs) all right last question what's one thing you're really looking forward to Within dating? No, it can be or anything. Like in my life. Just in general. What am I looking forward to? There's a lot of ice outside. I would really like that to melt. It's warm for the next few days. Hell yeah. Um, it could be as simple as that. That's okay. I don't have long-term plans. I've learned not to make those. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> really? Honestly, it's like every time I just like try to get going again it like something else comes and i'm just like i i don't have um 
almost like a fear to make the plans. Yeah. Like I honestly, I don't like, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow until I like look at my calendar. If it's not written down, I don't remember it. Um, All right. Well, we're just going to hope that the ice melts in Nova Scotia. I'm looking forward to going camping again this summer. Yeah. Um, because that was a lot of fun last summer and we went to a national park Mm -hmm. that my husband never wanted to go to because it's known area for having a lot of ticks. Um, so he wouldn't go there. So I had always wanted to go and I went twice last summer Mm -hmm. with the kids and it was a lot of fun and I felt really empowered by doing that and doing something new. And instead of trying to maintain old traditions, I made a new tradition mm. with that didn't involve Chris and it didn't have all these sad memories. Um, it was something new and moving forward. And um, it's beautiful. I love it. That's I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And at Grieve Unraveled might come this way this <laughs> summer. And I really can't wait to meet her. Yes. In so person. shout out to her account. Go follow her too. Of <laughs> course. You follow me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> follow us all. <laughs> Wait, how weird is life? Every time I say stuff like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a millennial. This was never me. Uh, yeah, this was never me either. Uh, like, I didn't even have Instagram before my husband died. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I'm like, wow. I had to like Google how to do this stuff. <laughs> like, well, you're killing it. <laughs> Janice, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And also, like, I mean, if this wasn't within the confines of talking about dating, I just feel like I have a million other things to talk to you about. And I hope that we can touch base again. (laughs) All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Dang, I love having these conversations. It's just so refreshing for people to talk so openly and honestly about the story of their lives and what is currently happening. And I am super grateful to Janice for having this hard conversation and just being totally raw about everything that she has dealt with and is dealing with and is thinking. I'm really looking forward to more of these in the future. So this has been Dating After Death, and we will see you next time.